Now, as you are able, would you please remain standing for the reading of the word, which today will be done by Pamela McClanahan, who is the founder of one of our ministry partners, Love Matters Most. She also serves on our prayer team and is one of our campus hosts. Good morning. A reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well for you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning and uh, happy Mother's Day again to all those who are celebrating in the room today. We are so grateful for each and every one of you. I am uh, especially grateful for my mom and thinking about the impact she has had on my life. Um, now, as I talk about my mom, I, I do have to acknowledge last week I talked about my dad and said he was never going to hear about it. And then apparently there's a bunch of spies in the room and my parents got like five, 10, I don't know, text messages, phone calls from people saying, hey, go listen to the message. So uh, for those of you who are spying on me, um, that's fine, I guess. Um, <laughs> But uh, my mom is a huge reason why I am here today. I mean, literally, she is a big reason why I'm here today. But also, she, um, she has just been a, a, a giver of life in more ways than one. And, and one of those things is that when I was in elementary school, she was one of the first people that really kind of spoke uh, words into my life about just being able to share the Bible with others. And I just remember her saying, well, Ryan, you do a, a really good job of just remembering the Bible stories and talking about the Bible stories with us. And, and in doing so, she spoke life into me and, and spoke a confidence in being able to share the word of God. And uh, you know, maybe that is part of the reason why I'm here today. Another reason that I'm certainly here is because of her prayers, and I'm so grateful for the prayers of my mom and so many moms in here who are, are praying parents. Um, your kids are going to feel that and experience that in ways they don't even understand. Um, I, I know for myself that I was covered in prayer um, just in general because my mom prayed for all her kids, but also I think I might have received the most amount of prayer of any of my siblings. Because my mom will tell you that I was the, the, the kid who actually stressed her out the most. Um, I had a time where I was not the, the perfect pastor that you see before you today. <laughs> but I had a time in high school where I was a very angry child. And uh, I didn't really have anything to be angry about. But, um, you know, it happens sometimes. And, and, and so I became a little bit rebellious. And I just stopped caring about a lot of things that I cared about and stopped putting effort into things. Um, and my mom was very concerned about where I was headed in life. And so she spent a lot of time praying for me. And, and I think that that is something I feel and experience today as a, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father myself. So I am so grateful for that. You know, as a dad myself now, though, I also look, and it's funny because I look back at before I was a parent, and I look at all the things that my parents did for me and for my siblings, 
And, and there's so many things where I looked and I had all these great ideas, right? Like before you are a parent, you think, hey, I'm gonna be like the world's best parent, right? Because how hard can it be? Um, and, and you're like, you know, I'm gonna have, the kids are gonna be clean all the time. Our house is gonna be clean all the time. We're gonna get everywhere on time. Like we're gonna walk into church and everyone's gonna see this like wonderful family and be like, oh, wow, like that family is a blessing from God. Um, we're never gonna fight, of course, um, and, and everything is gonna be wonderful. And, and then you have kids and it's like, well, as long as they're all still alive at the end of the day, like I'm pretty happy, like I've, I've succeeded in my mission, right? And, and so um, parenting is, is hard, it is challenging. Family dynamics, family relationships are hard and challenging, but they are real relationships. And, and so we are called to love our families in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God. And so we need to love our families, love our parents, love our kids in a way that demonstrates Christ's love to them. So we've been talking about real relationships and how we all are in relationships. So how do we live according to the word of God in our relationships with other people? And so it starts with the golden rule, which we found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Jesus talking says, so in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So do to others what you would have them do to you, or do to others what Christ has done for you. Demonstrate the love that Christ has demonstrated to you. And, and this is how we are to live as followers of Christ. That in every relationship, we're not just not doing harm, but we're not just tolerating people or being around people, but we're actually doing good for people. That's what scripture calls us to do. And so Christians should do the most good possible in every relationship. So we talked about how do we live this out across genders, and we talked about celebrating the uniqueness of each gender, but also focusing on that which unifies us, the imago Dei, the image of God in each and every person. We talked about how do we live this out across generations and how as, as younger generations, we need to give honor and gratitude to the older generations, show them respect and thank them for what they've done. And then as we get older, we pass on faith to others. You know, I just, I just had a moment, I just wanna share this, but as we were worshiping, I looked up on the stage and realized that there were four people up on stage, including Riley, who was leading, and, and Kira, and Alex, and Devin, who, who grew up in our church um, and, and had faith passed on to them uh, through family, but also here at Christ Community Church, and now have stepped into leadership roles, and each of them are also helping to lead the next generation of people behind them. This is the church doing what we are called to do. And so that's what we are called to do in, in generations. And then we talk about how all of this really stems from our relationship with God and understanding how he relates to us. That we understand that we don't deserve a relationship with him, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That God loves so deeply, so well, so much that he would give his son as a sacrifice for us to restore us into relationship with him. And so as we receive that and we experience that and we feel that, then we are going to fall in love with God and we're going to demonstrate love to him. And as we show love to God, then what's going to happen is we're going to start loving and caring about the things he loves and cares about, which means that we will begin to love others the way that God loves them and views them as well. And so that is where we are called to love our relationships the way Jesus loves them. 
And so we certainly do this in the family. As a matter of fact, God's original plan was for discipleship and evangelism to start in the family. And so you look at the very beginning, you look in Genesis chapter one, and you see that Adam and Eve um, were given a command to be fruitful and multiply. And so in other words, the way God's image was going to spread across the world was through the family being built, the family being discipled. Then that same command is found to Noah after the flood, to Noah and his family. God says, again, be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to use the family to build my kingdom. And then we see covenant, we see promises made to the family with with David and with Abraham, where God says, through you, through your family line, something is going to happen. Now, ultimately, that would be fulfilled in both their cases through the person of Jesus Christ, who came through the line of Abraham, through the line of David. But also there was short-term fulfillment in Abraham's son Isaac and his son Jacob, and through David's son Solomon building the temple, God was fulfilling these promises in the family and saying the family is going to have a role to play. And it's with this understanding that Joshua, we get these famous verses in his book, that where Joshua stands up before the people of Israel, and he says, hey, people of Israel, do what you're going to do. If you're going to serve the gods of this land, then go ahead and serve the gods of this land. But he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua took leadership. He took ownership for his family. He understood his God-ordained responsibility to be a leader in his family. And he said, I'm going to fulfill that role of discipling my kids, of pointing them to the Father. I'm not going to act like there is a choice because I'm going to teach them truth. And the truth is, is that God is the king, that he is real, that he loves, and he has a plan for them. And I want them to know that because his plan is better than any plan they can come up with on their own. But see, in our culture, we we have quickly devalued family. We celebrate individualism more than the family unit. And so oftentimes we think, well, I'm not going to disciple because I don't want to push this even on my kids. And so instead, I'll just let them figure it out through every other resource, through every other voice that will speak into their life. And and hopefully they'll they'll come to faith, but I'm not going to be the one to do that work. But God has ordained the family to be the first place of discipleship and evangelism. And so we need to take that responsibility seriously. Now, I may have already lost some in the room because some of you, maybe you're thinking, well, I'm too young to have a family. I don't really fit in that kid category anymore. Like I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm over 18, I'm out of the house, but um, I'm not married, I don't have kids. I'm not looking at having kids. This is not a part of my life. Um, or, or maybe some are in here who are like, well, you know what? I'm older, my kids are older. Like they, they are already out of the house. And you know, so I'm, I'm done with my responsibilities as a parent. Like, let's just move on. Well, let me just give you a few reasons why we all need to pay attention to this. Number one is that if you don't, it's going to make me feel bad about myself. Um, Number two, and more importantly, is is that uh, God has a plan for us as a church body to love and encourage and disciple one another. And so even though you may not be in that family mindset, you may not be in that parent mindset, there are people around you who are. And we need to love and encourage the families in our church as well. And so then the other piece is that some of you may be called to be a spiritual family for someone who is in need of that. Someone may be looking to you and you may be inviting someone into your family, into your home to be a part of your family in in a spiritual sense. And and so you may represent them, even if you don't think that that's going to be you or that's not you right now, you're not planning on it, it may be down the road, which also 
to some of those who maybe being parents is not something you are right now, but it might be in your future. Now is the time to start preparing your hearts for that moment. So with that being said, let's dive into what scripture says about the family. And I'll read these verses in Ephesians again. Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus here, and he's breaking down many different relationships. But in this case, he talks about the parents and children. And before we dive into either side of that story, we need to focus on what he says to each of them. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And he says, parents, do the training and instruction of the Lord. And so we need to remember that in all of our relationships, that God comes above all of them. That God is first in our order of relationships. There is no relationship that is more important than our relationship with God. And we shouldn't be trying to draw people to ourselves first or pointing people to ourselves, but we should instead be pointing people to the Father. And so what happens in family relationships is that sometimes parents with good intentions try and point their kids to themselves as the example of truth and love. But what's gonna happen if I'm the ultimate example of truth and love is that I'm going to let my kids down at some point because there are no perfect parents. And so I'm gonna fail them at some point in, in, in a small way or a big way. And at that moment, the kids are gonna start looking and saying, well, wait, you were supposed to be the example of truth. You were supposed to be the perfect love. And now you're not fulfilling that role. So now what do I do? Now where do I go? Now how much of what you said do I trust? But if we're pointing them to the Father, if we're pointing them to the Word of God, then we're pointing them to truth, to a love that will never let them down. And on the flip side of that, what happens too for parents sometimes is we make our kids our idols. Our world completely revolves around them. And we think for the next 18 years of their lives, like my world is going to be focused solely on my kids. And what we're really doing is we're taking our kids and we're putting them in the place of our heart that is supposed to belong to God. So we're making our kids our idols, we're making our kids our gods. And here's the thing, you may have great kids, but they are terrible gods. And if you try and make them your God, you will crush them and you will crush yourself as well. In the same way, if you try and be God for your kids, it will crush them and it will crush yourself as well. And so we're not pointing to ourselves, we're pointing to the Father. And actually what we should be doing in a family is we should be constantly all trying to pursue God together and saying he is the most important relationship. And if we do that right, we're gonna be more united under God's headship than we would be if we tried to pursue one another apart from God. So in our house, I try and say this with my kids, and I think I got this from my mom, but I try and ask my kids, you know, who loves you the most? And they are well-trained now, so they know the answer is Jesus. I'm like, that's right, Jesus is the one person who loves you more than daddy. Not even mommy, right? Okay, maybe today on Mother's Day, I can, you know, she can have the love, but, but every other day I get it. Just kidding. Um, 
but, but it's constantly trying to point to Christ's love and, and point them to, hey, there is someone you should love more than me because there is someone who loves you more than I do. And, and there's an, a relationship that is more important than your relationship with your parent. And so we're constantly trying to point to the Lord. Now, if we're doing this right, here's what it's going to look like. And we'll start with the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So Paul is pointing kids back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And that is the commandment that says exactly that. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given to you. And so this is the command that has a promise attached to it, which tells us that there is something really important, really significant about the family relationship. Like the commandments don't say, hey, don't murder so that you may live long in the land that God has given to you. It doesn't say don't steal so that you may live long in this land. It says honor your father and mother. Now those other commands are obviously important, but I think maybe the reason that there's a promise attached to it is because we're so quick to dismiss this. We're so quick to ignore it. We're so quick to be like, yeah, all these other things are important and honor your father and mother. Like sure, honor me if I'm a father or mother, but I'm not gonna worry about the rest. And it's saying, no, like this is something that we all need to demonstrate, that we all need to live into. We are called to honor. By the way, moms in the room, this is your free Mother's Day gift. Um, if you have kids at home or, or you have kids and, and you want them to show you a little honor, just be like, hey, listen, you want to live long in this land? <laughs> this is not even for me. This is the word of God right there, right? Point them to, uh, to Ephesians 6 or Exodus 20, whatever one you want to use, pull out. You can pull out both of them. Be like, it's twice in there. Um, it's a big deal, right? Um, but, but honoring is important. And so here's the thing. For children, the role of children, the role of kids is one of learner. Children are supposed to be learners. And so if you are in the room, you're under the age of 18, like be a learner. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have it all figured out. But pursue the knowledge and the wisdom that God has gifted to your parents, to your guardians, to those above you, to that older generation, those who are specifically leading and guiding you and loving you, and be a learner in those relationships. We need to encourage our kids to be kids, to understand they don't have to have it all figured out, but what they do need to be is learners. And the primary place they should be looking is the home. It starts there. I can't tell you how many times as, as a youth pastor, I, I would have parents come to me and they say, hey, I, I don't know what's going on. My kid's doing this thing. Like, can you talk to them? And I'm like, sure, I don't, I, you know, uh, like, whatever. And so I have a talk with the kid. And by the way, use your youth pastors. They're here for, for you. They love your kids and, and they would love to like help you in any way that they can. Um, but, but there are so many times where, where I'd come back and the parent would come back and be like, wow, thank you so much for whatever you said. Like uh, it really has made a difference and I'm really seeing changes in my kid. And they're like, what, what, what did you say? And I was like, honestly, I just said exactly what you said. But for some reason, they look to me and they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And parents are like, nah, couldn't be, right? Um, so, so children, like, your parents have your best interests in mind. They have wisdom. They have guidance. Like, go and be a learner and look to your parents for support and for that love that they want to give to you. Now, for many in the room, you have, maybe you have parents, but you also are out of the house. You are an adult. Maybe you have kids of your own. We are still called to honor our fathers and mothers. And so how do we do this? Well, there's lots of ways that we can show honor and respect. 
But, but two of the easiest ways are how you talk to them and how you talk about them, right? How you talk to your parents, even as adults, and how you talk about your parents as adults is going to be important. One thing to remember is we point back to Matthew 7, it, it do to others what you would have them do to you. Just remember that the way you talk about your parents right now to your spouse or in front of your kids or to your kids is the way your kids are gonna talk about you one day as well. So demonstrate honor whenever possible. Now for those who are like, hey, there's nothing honorable or praiseworthy about my parents. How do I live out this command? Pray for them. I mean, the Bible calls us to pray for our enemies. So surely we can pray for parents, even if they weren't really parents to us. We should be praying for all people at all times. And so we can actually demonstrate honor simply by offering prayer that they would repent, that they would turn to Christ. It doesn't mean we have to restore the relationship with them, but we can still be in prayer for them as well. Now, what does it say to parents? It says this, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now, I know it's Mother's Day. Um, fathers is, is parents in general here, okay? Uh, fathers, um, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So while the role of children is learners, the role of parents is teachers and trainers. The role of parents is teachers and trainers. Now, parents, you are actually older than your kids. I know that may be shocking to some of you. Um, and, and for the most part, you have more knowledge and wisdom than your kids, unless they're teenagers, in which case they know everything. Um, but otherwise, you have more knowledge and wisdom than your kids. And so you are called to be a teacher and a trainer for your kids. You are called to disciple your kids, to raise them up, to be actively involved in their learning process, in their discipleship process, and sharing faith with your kids. Now, what happens so often is parents, we just become transportation systems to get them to the next place where they might be teaching or being trained. Right, so you get them up in the morning and you take them to school and you drop them off at school and then you pick them up in the afternoon and you take them over to some sports practice or band practice or something else where you drop them off hoping they'll learn some life lessons there and then you pick them up from that and you take them over to church and you drop them off at church hoping they'll be, they'll be discipled and evangelized to at church and then you pick them up and you bring them home and you tell them to do your homework and they tend to talk to their friends instead um, and, and then you tell them it's time to go to bed and, and, and you call it a day and you start over again the next time. And nowhere in that process do we fulfill our role of teaching and training, of discipling our kids. And so parents, we need to step into these spaces to find times of discipleship, to find times of training, of teaching our kids. And the most important thing that we can teach them is the gospel message. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter six says this, starting in verse four. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now pause right there. Because what Deuteronomy is telling us here is it's saying that this is the way our relationship with God works. That we turn our eyes to him and we start to see who he is. We see his power, we see his love, we see his grace, his mercy, his judgment, his truth. We see all of that about him. We see the gift that he gave us in his son, Jesus Christ. 
And so what happens is we desire a relationship with him because we've experienced his love for us. And so the Bible tells us, okay, then, then love God. Love him with everything that you have. And as you do that, you're going to spend time in his word and you're going to spend time trying to learn what it means to be obedient to God and to live the life that he has in store for you. And so as we fall in love with God and we pursue him in love and relationship with him, we're going to start to see the world through his eyes. And we're going to start to love others the way he does. And so we're suddenly going to go from this inward personal relationship with God to this outward focus on sharing the gospel with others. And here's where it starts in verse 7. It says, impress them on your children. So it starts at home. And here's how we do that. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, what scripture is telling us is that the word of God is really, really important. And it's so important that not only do we need to receive it and trust it for ourselves, but we need to share it in every way possible. And that starts with us sharing the gospel at home. It starts with parents being the primary pastor to their kids. It starts with parents discipling their kids. And when do we do this? Well, we do this when we wake up in the morning till the moment we lie down. All day we have an opportunity to disciple our kids. We do this when we're sitting at home, when we're idle, when we're stationary. And we do this when we're walking along the road, when we're traveling, when we're going from one place to the next. And so if you're taking your kids to school, there's a discipleship opportunity. Pray for your kids. Ask them how they're going to love their classmates that day, the way Jesus loves them. Ask them if they're going to share the gospel that day when you pick them up from school. Ask them how they did in that. Ask them if there's any way you can pray for them for what happened at school. As you take them to their sports, talk about what it means to be a witness. Talk about what it means to build endurance, not just in our physical lives, but also in our spiritual walk. When you take them to church, be in prayer for their time at church. When you pick them up from church, you have a discipleship opportunity. You know, many of us, myself included, we ask the wrong questions of our kids. We pick them up from church. We pick them up from children's ministry, from youth group. And, and the first question we ask them is, did you have fun? That's not the point of church. Church isn't supposed to be fun. No, of course church is going to be fun. We have fun in church because we have the joy of the Lord. It's going to be fun. But that's not the first question we ask because the first goal of church is not to be fun. The first goal of church is to be, be formative. It's to be trans, transforming. It's to point people to Jesus. And so when we pick up our kids from church, we should be asking, hey, what'd you learn today? Hey, did you talk with Jesus today? Hey, did you open up the word of God today? Hey, what kind of worship songs were you singing? We should be asking questions about what God was doing in the hearts of our kids. And so we have an opportunity to disciple our kids. Now, there may be some in the room who are feeling like, okay, that's fine. I'm not equipped to do that, which is why I dropped them off at church because there's people who are better trained to disciple and to evangelize and to do these things. Well, it's great. And church wants to be a support to you and your family. But, but if you're here and you're thinking, hey, yes, I would love to disciple my families. I just don't know how. Send an email to, the, to your youth pastor, to your kids pastor. Send an email to, to one of the staff members here at church, to myself. Like we would love to, to, to get you some resources that can help lead you and guide you. 
I know for myself, I'm using some, some catechism stuff, which is just questions and answers that, that I have online um, that's provided by the Westminster Standards, which is kind of what our, our denomination uses, our, our theological standards. And so they have a kid's version of this. And so in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to my five, eight, and 10-year-old about atonement, sanctification, and justification. Now, do they understand it? No, of course not. But are we working on it? Yes, we are. And they're starting to get a little bit more of it. And they're, but what they're hearing is, hey, Jesus paid for your sins. Hey, Jesus paid the price so that your sins are forgiven and they're washed away. And it's like they never happened. And now God is doing a work in your heart that's going to lead you to be more and more like him each and every day. And so they're learning these things and they're paying attention to these things. We need to take discipleship back into the homes. We need to take the teaching of truth away from uh, everywhere else and, and bring it back into the church. Like this is the place where, where, where people, where kids should be pursuing truth and life. Because we know who Jesus is and we need to share that with them. So how do we go about doing that? I'll give you three things that you can do practically here. Number one is this, praise and admonish your kids. So there's two sides to this. Yes, we're gonna have praise, we're gonna celebrate, we're also gonna have admonish and we're gonna have discipline as well. Now many times parents are good at one or the other. And so you have parents who are the disciplinarian that are, are, are hey, I can tell you how you messed up and I can tell you what is right. And then you have the parent who is just all praise and celebration and I'm really good at giving hugs. I don't like the discipline part. But we need to combine both of these things and to demonstrate both of these things to our kids. The reality is they're, they're, they're gonna have some things in life that where they're headed down a path that leads to destruction and we're gonna see that and we need to correct that. It's okay to say no to your kids. It's okay to discipline your kids. As a matter of fact, Proverbs said it is absolutely needed in our life. But we also need to be a place of praise and celebration, finding the good and the honorable in our kids and acknowledging that. The reality is the world is gonna beat our kids up enough. The home doesn't need to be a place for that. And so we praise and admonish. The second thing is that we protect. We protect our kids. Now this doesn't mean that you have to put your kids in a bubble and constantly hover over them at all times. But what it does mean, the, the best way, in my opinion, that you can protect your kids is to be a safe person that they feel comfortable having real conversations with. Because the best way you can protect your kids is if you actually know what's going on in your kids' lives. And so be a person that handles conversations with love and with grace, speaking truth into their life, but be the person that they want to come and share with so that you know that they are safe with you and that they will share if something bad or messy happens to them outside of your walls. Protect them also from themselves. Protect them from bad self-talk. Kids can have too high of a self-talk. Many times kids are having too low of a self-talk. And they are beating themselves up. And again, if you are a person who, who has created a space where they can have conversations with you, then you will hear the way they feel about themselves and you can speak truth into their identity. You can speak truth into their life. And finally, be a provider. This is more than just providing sustenance. This is providing a model of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. This is providing love, acceptance, and forgiveness for your kids. This is providing truth for your kids. It's providing biblical training by actually opening up the word of God and sharing it with your family. This is providing for your kids in prayer. Because us offering our kids to God in prayer 
is way more significant than us trying to provide for them on our own. We need to remember that God loves and cares about our kids way more than we do. And so let's trust Him with their hearts, with their minds, with their lives. And the final thing I want to say is this, parents, give yourself grace. Parenting is hard. It is challenging. It is messy. And I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've had a conversation with a parent who feels like they are failing, who comes in and says, Ryan, like, I don't know what's going on. My kid's just making all these terrible decisions or they're walking away from their faith. I don't know what I did. I don't know how I messed up and I don't know how to get them back on track. And many times as I sit and I listen to the way they talk, I say, you know what? You love your kid. You love Jesus. You are doing the best that you can do. But the reality is we all have a sinful nature. And the best thing you can do right now is to give yourself grace, to remember that you're doing a good job, to keep loving Jesus and to keep loving your kids the way God has called you to do it. Cover them in prayer. Understand they're gonna make mistakes. Understand they're, they're gonna do things out of their sinful nature, out of their own ways. And we just need to trust God with them instead to remember that God loves and cares about them deeply and to cover them in prayer and just keep being that example of love in their lives. So give yourselves grace, trust God, and keep being the parents that God has called you to be. Church, let's take discipleship back to the home. Let's take teaching of truth and the example of love back to the church because this is where it needs to be because this is where it's found in the word of God. And so we need to remind our kids, our families, our church, and the next generation of the truth of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your love for us. We give you thanks for your love for our family for our church family, for our individual families. And God, we pray that in the middle of the messiness of relationships that we would be reminded of your love and that we would demonstrate your love towards others. God, I pray for the kids in the room, for those who are living under their parents' care and love and support, that they would pursue you, that they would look to their parents, to their families as a place where they can learn from, as a place of safety, as a place of love. God, I pray for the parents in the room. God, that you would remind them that you are equipping them, that you are strengthening them, that you are filling them up with what, with what they need. That while there are no perfect parents, our goal is not to be perfect, but to point our kids to the one who is, to point them to you. So God, I pray for our children that you would draw their hearts to you, for those who know you, that they would continue in that knowledge and in that love for you. They would continue to, be, to continue to grow and be strengthened in their faith and that they would be people, children who pass that faith along to others. And God, for those kids maybe who have wandered away, who don't, haven't put their trust in you, God, would you get a hold of their hearts? So God, help us as a church to live this out correctly. We love you, Father, and pray these things in your son's name. Amen.